Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. It's the 75th episode and boy oh boy we've got a special episode for you. We're going to spend the entire time talking about, reminiscing about the amazing, the brilliant, the wonderful, the iconic Only Fools and Horses. This show had it all. Laughs, tears, moments and everything in between. And we'll try to break it down for you. And we'll give you our top five episodes and top five moments. Yes, I know there is loads to choose from. You don't want to miss this one. Trust me, you know it makes sense. So, let's get started. Uh, joining me as ever is uh, producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. And I'm delighted to say that joining us for this episode is uh, Jimmy, who is uh, producer Paul's brother. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? Good, thanks. Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How, how, how are you feeling for this one? You were uh, excited to talk about this? Yeah, really looking forward to this one. So, I mean, some of you might be wondering why the hell are we going to spend the whole episode talking about one particular show? Well, to this day, I don't think as many people in, in the UK anyway have, have sat down and watched one particular episode of, uh, of a TV show. I think it was 24 million for time on our hands, which I think is like top three of all time, highest sitcom rating ever. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. Outside of the uh, Olympics and England, West Germany in Italia 90, I don't think many people, as many uh, people have gathered to watch one particular TV show. It's, it's, it, it is like insane numbers and obviously yeah numbers numbers don't lie so uh we'll we'll get started right into it because obviously we we've got so much to talk about like it's it's not even funny how much we we've got we're going to talk about and cover so uh i'll get we'll get started right away and uh only fools and horses came out in september 1981 some of the things happening in the world Simon and Garfunkel perform the concert in Central Park, which was a free concert in New York in front of approximately half a million people. Belize, or British Honduras, gains its independence from the United Kingdom. Capital punishment in France is abolished. Chariots of Fire was in the cinemas. And uh, Prince Charming by Adam and the Ants was the number one in the charts. I don't know. I mean, I know him, but I don't know the thing. But one one thing that you just spoke there, 1981 was when capital punishment was abolished in France. That's unbelievable. When was it in the UK? 64, 65? I don't know. It was not that long of a difference. Yeah, but 1981. That just seems like a few years ago, doesn't it? No, no, it doesn't. It's 40 years ago now. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I only know Prince Charming because obviously every other show on TV nowadays is how I love the 80s so much and why 80s music is the greatest music in of all time. Literally, I was watching a program, Top 30 Hits of 1981. I was watching a Top of the Pops special that was dedicated to the music in 1985. And this was like on two separate channels back to back. And I'm just thinking, oh, I've started this one. I might as well finish it. 
those shows are showing all of these um songs and 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 what have you obviously put time in it's like a big classic song I, I, it doesn't surprise me that you don't know it but uh but you should but it's yeah whatever but uh we'll uh, we'll get we'll get we'll get started with uh only fools and horses so yeah obviously this was a uh, british tv sitcom created and written by john sullivan seven series were originally broadcast and then 16 sporadic christmas specials and they were aired until 2003 it's set in peckham and it stars david jason as ambitious market trader derek delboy trotter and nicholas lindhurst as his younger brother rodney trotter alongside a supporting cast and the series follows the Trotters' highs and lows in life, in particular their attempts to get rich. The show was not an immediate hit with viewers and received little promotion earlier on, believe it or not, but later achieved consistently high ratings. And the 1996 episode, Time on Our Hands, originally billed as the last episode, holds the record for the highest UK audience for a sitcom episode, attracting a whopping 24.3 million viewers. Critically and popularly acclaimed, the series received numerous awards, including recognition from BAFTA, the National Television Awards, and the Royal Television Society, as well as winning individual accolades for both Sullivan and Jason. It was voted Britain's best sitcom in a 2004 BBC poll. In a 2001 Channel 4 poll, Del Boy was ranked fourth on their list of the 100 greatest TV characters. The series influenced British culture contributing several words and phrases to the English language. It spawned an expensive range of merchandise, including books, videos, DVDs, toys, and board games. A spin-off series, The Green Green Grass, ran for four series, and there was a prequel, Rock and Chips, which ran in 2010 and 2011. Yeah, and it's all about Derek Delboy Trotter, who's a South London fly trader and lives in a council flat in a high-rise tower block known as Nelson Mandela House in Peckham with his much younger brother Rodney and their elderly granddad who's played by Leonard Pierce. Their mother Joan died when Rodney was young and their father absconded soon afterwards and Dell became Rodney's surrogate father and the family patriarch and despite the difference in age, personality and outlook, the brothers share a constant bond throughout. The situation focuses on their attempts to become millionaires through questionable get-rich-quick schemes and by buying and selling poor quality and illegal goods. They have a three-wheeled, reliant, regal van and trade under the name of Trotters Independent Traders, mainly on the black market. Initially, Delboy, Rodney and Grandad were the only regulars, along with the occasional appearances of Road Sweeper Trigger, who was played by Roger Lloyd Black, and... Pack, sorry, Roger Lloyd Pack, and the pretentious used car salesman Boise or John Chalice. Over the time, the cast expanded mostly in the form of regulars at the local pub, the Nags Head. These include pub landlord Mike Fisher, Kenneth MacDonald, lorry driver Denzel or Paul Barber, youthful spiv Mickey Pierce or Patrick Murray, and Boise's flirtatious wife Marlene, who is Sue Holderness. And after Grandad died following the death of younger or death of actor Leonard Pierce, his younger brother, Uncle Albert, or Buster Merrifield, emerged and moved in with Dell and Rodney. And after years of searching, both Dell and Rodney find long-term love in the form of Raquel and Cassandra, played by Tessa Peak Jones and Gwyneth Strong, respectively. 
Dell also has a son with Raquel, Damien. And there's obviously Rodney and Cassandra's on and off sort of relationship. They marry, separate, and then they get back together again. Sullivan had initially given the show the working title Readies. For the actual title, he intended to use as a reference to the protagonist's tax and work evading lifestyle. Only Fools and Horses, that name was based on a genuine, though very obscene saying, only fools and horses work for a living, which had its origins in the 19th century American vaudeville. And midway through filming of the fifth series, David Jason had actually told John Sullivan that he wished to leave the show in order to further his career elsewhere. And Sullivan thus wrote Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which was intended to be the final episode and would see Dell accepting a friend's offer to set up business in Australia, leaving Rodney and Albert behind. Plans were made for a spin-off entitled Hot Rod, which would have followed Rodney's attempts to survive on his own with help from Mickey, but leaving open the prospect of Dell's return. Jason then changed his mind and the ending of the episode was changed to show Dell rejecting the offer. In late 1996, three more, three more one-hour episodes were filmed to be broadcast over Christmas. All three were well-received and due to the ending were assumed to be the last. The show made a return in Christmas 2001 with the first of three new episodes, which were shot together but ultimately broadcast over three consecutive Christmases from 2001 until 2003. And despite rumours of further episodes, in a 2008 interview, Sullivan was quoted as saying, there will, be, there will not be another series of Only Fools and Horses. I can say that. We had our day. It was wonderful, but it's best to leave it now. Uh, Only Fools and Horses had separate theme songs for the opening and closing credits. Only Fools and Horses and Hookie Street, respectively. Sullivan had intended Chaz and Dave to sing it because they had enjoyed success with the Rockney style which is a mixture of rock and roll and traditional Cockney music. But Sullivan was ended up persuaded to do it himself by Ray Butt. And it developed a cult following. The Early Fools and Horses Appreciation Society, established in 1993, has a membership of around 7,000, publishes a quarterly newsletter, Hookie Street, and organises annual conventions of fans, usually attended by cast members. The Society has also organised an Only Fools and Horses museum containing props from the series, including Dell's camel coat and the trotter's Ford Capri, and it was named one of the top 20 cult television programmes of all time by TV critic Jeff Evans. Only Fools and Horses, and consequently John Sullivan, is credited with the popularisation of several words and phrases used by Dell Boy, particularly plonker, which means fool or an idiot, and two expressions of delight or approval, kushti, which comes from the Roma word for good, and lovely jubbly. Lovely jubbly was uh, from an advertising slogan for a popular 1960s orange juice drink called jubbly, which was packaged in a pyramid-shaped wax paper carton. Sullivan remembered it and thought it would be an expression that Del Boy would use. And in 2003, the phrase was incorporated into the new Oxford Dictionary. Owing its exposure on Only Fools and Horses, the reliant regal vine is often linked with the show in the British media. The one used by the Trotters has, a, has attained cult status and is currently on display at the Cars of the Stars exhibition and the National Motor Museum. 
alongside many other vehicles from British and American TV and movies, such as the Batmobile and the DeLorean from Back to the Future. In the closing ceremony of the 2012 London Olympics, the Trotters' yellow Reliant van appeared on stage along with Del Boy and Rodney body doubles dressed as Batman and Robin, a reference to the only Fools and Horses episode, Heroes and Villains. And as I mentioned before, they had two spin-off shows, The Green Green Grass, which sees Boise and Marlene forced to leave Peckham by uh, the Driscoll brothers, and had included guest appearances from Denzel and Sid. And into and it was reported Rock and Chips would be a, a prequel to the original series or Once Upon a Time in Peckham. And it would feature Dell as a youngster in the 1960s and have a prominent role for his parents. Sullivan said that he's planning to do a prequel to Early Fools and Horses, which would star Nicholas Lyndhurst as Freddy the Frog Robdahl who was a local criminal and Rodney's biological father. And obviously Rob Dow was uh, the focus of the episode, The Frog's Legacy. So who wants to uh, go first with, uh, with this? I mean, obviously talk about how you first started watching this and how you got into it, whenever it was. I mean, I only got into this. We watched it as a family, obviously. Um, I think, like you said on the, in the intro, most people did. But really, how I got into it was um, was through Jimmy, because he, I would just send him quotes or whatever an episode I was watching, and he would be able to tell me immediately what episode it was, who said it, and what circumstances it was. So, yeah, I mean, really, how I got into it was Jimmy. So I think Jimmy better tell us how he got into it, really. I just got into it by, um, my auntie used to watch it and I used to spend a lot of time at her house as a kid and I just fell in love with it and I just, every day I come home from school I had this one video that had like four or five episodes on and every single day for about three years I would just put it on and then I think I must have been about, I was quite old actually, I must have been about 16 when my dad finally got me the actual box set of the complete series and that was on repeat for about 10 years. For me, yeah, I did watch it a bit when I was a kid. It was just one of those things where it was like a TV show where you just watch it anyway. And it was obviously, it's like the Christmas episodes were like billed as like must-watch TV. And obviously, like during Christmas, it would be like sort of traditional to watch these kind of shows. Obviously, like with, it's like with EastEnders. You might not watch it for the whole year, but then you might you tune in for the uh, the Christmas episode. And then obviously, you'd be like, what the hell's going on? Who the hell is this person? And, and what 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 have you, and you'd have that kind of um, feeling with that. And then, obviously, as I as I got older and, you know, you, you, you start watching Only Fools and Horses and then you sort of, uh, and then appreciate the, the finer things about the show and the, the subtle jokes and things like that. And once I started watching that and, and getting into all of that, I was just thinking, oh, my God, this show is just amazing. Obviously, it's set in 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 London. Obviously, South. Don't really venture all the way down to uh, South London, but uh, it's it's still like right up my street in terms of like TV shows and and things of that nature. And it's always gonna sort of like get me and 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 I'll always get into it. I think it does make sense initially why people may not have clicked with it first. Because obviously it's a very London-centric... A couple of boring episodes, to be fair, in the first couple of series. Like, if you if you caught that one boring one, 
um, you know, you'd have been like, well, this is nothing special, you know? Yeah, and it's obviously if you're if you're from Manchester or you're from Newcastle, you're you're gonna struggle to and 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 connect yourself to uh, this show. It's almost how like I think some of us here initially felt about the royal family because obviously it's set in Manchester and you're like, oh, what the hell's going on? That's another great show, by the way. All these, yeah, it's it's a great show, but it's like obviously if you're from here, you're like, oh, what the hell's this? It's northern, it's northerners and whatever. And obviously people up uh, up north would be like, oh, well, what's this show in Landan? And we don't really care about these people and at repairs and 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 that's how they probably had thought of it. But you'll see, like, gradually as the series progressed, they were easily, like, doing 14, 15, 16 million an episode. Yeah, I think um, Jim will be able to elaborate on this, I think. But I think one of the reasons it was um, not a hit at first was it was in the wrong time slot, right, Jim? Yeah, and I believe it was on was it on BBC Two to start with. I'm sure it was this time BBC Two and they had it on a real, like, it was after... So I mean, it was on a good time slot, and then they, I think it was season three or four that they moved it over to BBC One when it started to pick up a bit of traction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I guess that that makes sense, but it was one of those where it's not it's not a case of they persisted and they thought, oh, we're we're, we're gonna dump it if they're not getting enough of a rating, because they were getting enough of 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 a rating, and I think it was still it was still critically acclaimed, and. As I said, like eventually, once word of mouth starts going around, going, oh, well, oh, have you seen Only Fools and Wives? You know, Fools and Horses. Obviously, at the time, what, 1981, there was what, three channels? I don't think even Channel 4 was a, a thing until 1982, 83, maybe, give or take. So, again, it might have been one of those things where, look, there's a show, really good show. Eventually, yeah, moved to BBC One at 8.30, pretty much prime time once they got that slot i don't think they uh they never they never looked back and uh and for that reason it became it just took a a life of its own really yeah it's an absolute institution this show um i think some of the common like if people if people don't know about the show what they do know is there's two moments they'll know and that is the the chandelier falling obviously uh, which we can talk about a bit later on, and I think the um, and the yuppie love falling over through the bar, right? That's the two moments I think that's like. And there are two moments that don't make my top five. No, exactly. That's exactly the point I was going to make. You can um, imagine what my top five might be yeah, if those two didn't make it. But yeah, Oliver's Northern is revered around the world. When I was living in Egypt, we would like often go. We I think we went to a, a place called uh, Dahab. Which is just basically a, a cheap version of Sharm El Sheikh. So obviously, if you can't afford Sharm El Sheikh, you go to Dab. It's basically like a resort place. And obviously, once people catch wind that you're from England, people go, "Oh, you're from England? You know London, Del Boy, lovely jubbly, <laughs> lovely jubbly, lovely jubbly, kushti, kushti, and and all that stuff." And after like a couple of like days or whatever, it gets incredibly nauseating when people say that to you but it does show the 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 the, the reach of 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 this show and words like lovely jubbly and 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 kushti and and things like that you'd have like some uh some dude in like 
sandals and whatever just literally going to you lovely jubbly lovely jubbly only fools and horses del boy del boy and 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 what have you so that just kind of shows how uh how far it went and uh, the interesting thing about only fools and horses was because um when i talk about it with my cousin he says that he prefers the ones that had granddad in it over uncle albert and i wanted to know where you two kind of stand on the Obviously, because there is there is like the granddad era and then there's obviously the Uncle Albert era. And obviously the the granddad era with Leonard Pierce was uh, cut short tragically because he uh, passed away in 1984, which obviously you have uh, no choice but to um, kind of like move on and, 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 and carry on. So, yeah, where do you stand on uh, granddad or Uncle Albert? I'm more Uncle Albert, just because I think it's more because he was in it longer as well. But he, the character development of Uncle Albert was brilliant. Yeah, I think that um, Jim Jim hit on a good point there, where um, the show hadn't really evolved into what it is now with Granddad. Right, Granddad was just a side character in a sitcom, and then one thing I will say is that the the this stroke of genius to replace him on day one he didn't just come in um you know halfway through another series when they figured out who to replace him with and bear in mind i think um jim you might be able to correct me if i'm wrong on this one but i'm pretty sure that granddad's burial was filmed a week after the actual burial of leonard pierce so the emotions in the episode are really raw yet john sullivan had the foresight and ability to cast um buster merrifield in the Uncle Albert role, like almost straight away, right? There's probably warning signs that Leonard Pierce wasn't too well. But um, what I'm saying is it's a stroke of genius to put on that one. And then, like Jim said, it kind of evolved into something amazing after, you know, I, I'd say like what, into the 90s, probably, the, 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 the series really picked up and started to evolve character development and everyone started to have their you know their real roles in in the show i think after that point so i think jim was right in saying uncle albert's better but leonard pierce didn't really get a decent run at it yeah i mean me personally i might be like a giveaway but obviously i am uncle albert all the way i just think he's a fantastic character it just everything about him was just great from the way he looks, the way he walks, the way he talks, the the the, the sort of the the sharp jibes, and yeah, like with with the way he was introduced as well, and the whole emotion of them having to replace their their granddad with with someone else, and obviously it it, it might be something that we uh, sort of talk about later on, but honestly, yeah, Uncle Albert for me is just. He is just absolute. He's 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 mint. He's just the best. And uh, I think we should uh, get started with the uh, episodes, but we're gonna do it a little bit differently because obviously I'm not, we, we ain't gonna do an episode rundown because we we'll be here all day if we did that. But you know how I kind of wanted us to do a, a top five, so we're gonna take it in turns to kind of go from five all the way down to one so i want i want us to kind of break down our um our episodes in that in in that sense and then obviously 
whichever episodes that we've both have in our in our top five, then we can kind of sort of talk about it as and when we reach as and when we reach it. So uh who wants to go first with their fifth best episode? Right, okay. So at five is an episode called Mother Nature's Son, um, where basically they go to like um a hell or basically the start, uh Raquel, which is Del's significant other, has got the right hump about the um <laughs> the state of the flat. She hasn't been out for ages, she's got a bit post natal depression, Albert's got post naval depression. And basically, he gets told to... Um, oh, and also, he's just been accepted to buy his flat. So he's got a mortgage, right? And with that flat comes the allotment that Granddad used to have that people have been dumping rubbish on for years. So they go down to the allotment. And I'm skipping a few bits, but they go down to the allotment and they have to clear it up. And there's some toxic waste dump there. They have to get rid of that. And then they go to the health food shop. <laughs> and um, this is one of Rodney's friends that he's, he's opened up a health food shop. And Dell can't believe the um, the kind of the state it's in um and then at one point they speak to miles the owner and he's just like um what do you think rodney and he's like uh one word impressed and then dell goes in one word bloody expensive <laughs> and he notices there that they're um they're they're pe- people are buying water so dell has an idea and then um he invites miles down to have a look at the um the soil and then meanwhile he's basically set up this hose pipe that looks like he's going down some rocks and it's um, a spring. He kind of passes off as a spring. And they end up bottling this tap water and selling it. Um, and they make loads of money out of it. But um, where they dumped the water was in a local reservoir and it contaminates the water. So that was the end of Mother Nature's Sun. So uh, you, some of you might be surprised, but my number five is Modern Men. That's my uh, number five. And obviously this is the episode where Dell's reading a book called Modern Man, and he's thinking, oh, I've got to behave in a in a certain type of way. And obviously, by behaving like this, he's sort of being really, like, brash. And, and Rodney's thinking, oh, I need more responsibility because I'm going to be a, a dad. And he wants, obviously, a better job so that he can uh, provide for his family. He then sees a, a job advertisement in the newspaper but it was actually posted by Dell. Ivor Hardy. This made me, to this day, this still makes me laugh every time I see it. And obviously he's like, oh, are you, are you a trotter? Are you related to uh, Derek Trotter? And obviously Rodney's like, yeah, I've not got a brother. I haven't got a brother. <laughs> yeah, it's just the whole thing. And he's literally just standing out there and he's just still talking. And then I love how he just puts the, the phone down and... Obviously, Dell's like, oh, what are you doing? And Rodney's like, oh, I'm talking to Cassandra. And he's like, okay, then. You should say I love you to the phone. And obviously, Rodney's like, I don't want to say I love you. He goes, oh, say I love you. And then obviously, oh, did you say I love you? I think I heard you say I love you. And then when he just kind of bears down on him, and he's like, oh, you made made him made him do that. I, I like the bit when he's like, um, when he says, uh, oh, you said there's a company vehicle. Could you tell me a little bit more about that, please? And then it, it just it seemed just like, yes, I can ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, other the other kind of significant thing was uh, Doctor Singh hounding uh, Dell about some dodgy paint, and uh, and Dell thinking, oh, I need to get a vasectomy, 
because obviously he's thinking, oh, I don't, I don't. Obviously, if Raquel doesn't want another kid, then uh, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't want to go through that that trouble again. And then it kind of takes a turn when uh, Cassandra is rushed to the hospital and she uh, suffers from a miscarriage. And obviously, uh, Del Boy is like telling him to uh, be strong for his wife. Now, the reason why this was number five was because, you know, I think we've kind of spoken about it, how obviously Del was saying, oh, you need to be supportive for your wife and you've got to do this and this and you have to you have to be strong. You can't, you know what I mean? And And, and then, obviously, he's going in there and then obviously we were talking about how John Sullivan can kind of do the whole emotion and then the uh, completely hilarious. And then obviously you've got Dell just going, this is so sad. And when I watched it in the full, I, I, I didn't like that. It put me off. I thought it would have been fine if Dell said all of that to uh, Rodney and then Rodney go in with Cassandra and, and, and console his wife, I think that would have been okay. I think Del Boy just, I think, I think they went just a little bit too far for me. I kind of disagree, because I, like I like the John Sullivan's ability to switch from funny to hardcore emotional and, and back again. I really, I think that's such an effective um, talent that he had. And, because you're, I mean, that bit where as soon as the, the, the miscarriage is announced and they go to the hospital, I'm in bits, man. That gets me every time. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm like Del Boy from the start of that scene. Um, and then. No, but get... then you would be crying for real and not crying like the way he is. And then obviously you've got like the, the people laughing. I think if you wanted to do a little joke, you could have done it at the end. Or you could have even done it when. Um... Rodney's going, oh, I need to uh, speak to Cassandra. And obviously Dell's standing there. He's like, yeah, come on, bruv. I think that could have been the the comedy relief. But him standing there, I don't, for me, it was, it was wailing like that. It, 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 it was off-putting for me. I, I didn't, I didn't particularly like that. I didn't think it was uh, needed. What do you think, Jim? I get both points, to be fair. I do, but I, I do like the laughter. I like the switch. Like you said, to be honest, but it's I can see both points. <laughs> Good stuff. So, uh, Jimmy, what's your uh, fifth best? Only four well, episode. Surprisingly, I've got the same as you. I've got more than men as well. Ah, so that's in at number five. So, uh, what was your uh, reasons for putting that at number five? To be honest, I had no idea what order to put my top five in. It was sort of like. Mm, that one was at number five. Oh god, I'm 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 fascinated now to see uh, what 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 your uh, number one's gonna be. I, I think I'll go next with this one. So my number four was uh, three men, a woman, and a baby. So um, in this episode, obviously, it's the uh, the birth of uh, Damien, and obviously, Dale's got a bunch of wigs that he wants to. Uh, try and uh, sell because um, he gets them dodgy and he and they ended up being uh, men's wigs and not women. And uh, Cassandra is uh, trying to tell Rodney for, you know, giving him push for lacking ambition and not being a part of the marriage. And 
Rodney's also uh, a vegetarian, much to the mockery of uh, the rest of his family. And I think um, they go on a, a maze and uh, they Hampton end up Court a maze. argument. Yeah, have a big argument in the maze and Trigger, oh, bless Trigger. He's like, oh, I, I went down that maze and had a row with someone. And he's like, oh, I, uh, first, first I thought, oh, we should go right. And then she said she should go left. Oh, no, 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 no. I said we should go right and then she should go left. And yeah, so uh, he goes to the house and he's Rodney's got the um, the ponytail on. And obviously, you know, it's, it might be a way to try and impress Cassandra. And obviously, she's like, oh, this oh, the ponytails are so stupid. Yanks it off. And she thinks it's uh, a rat. And uh, Rodney's just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. And then get the phone call. And then Raquel's going into labor. And uh, she gives birth to Damien. And I actually uh, wrote down what Del Boy says to Damien. But uh, again, it might be a spoiler. It's one of my uh, favorite moments of uh, Only Fools and Horses. I, I loved, absolutely loved the scene where he's uh, holding Damien and he's pointing to uh, the sky. And he's basically just talking to his son for the very, very first time. So that was my uh, number four. So uh, let's go next with their fourth best episode. Well, my fourth best was Modern Men. <laughs> so, um... Oh, I thought I thought I thought at least one of y'all was gonna pick Modern Men as as the best one, seeing as you Paul like to harp on about it all the time. No, I do like the episode. Um... But you talk about Modern Men even when we're talking about something completely different. We could be talking about I don't know, uh, whatever episode we've talked about. Oh, but do you remember Modern Men from Early Fools and Horses? Yeah, I mean, granted, but the thing is, I like the, like I said, I like the switch in it, and I like the, some of the bits in Modern Men, but for me, there's there's three more well-rounded episodes that I like. Um, but also, just as like a heads up, some of my favourite moments I've had to kind of hide away in my top episodes because the top moments of Only Fools and Horses was such a hard five to get so i'll be sneaking some of my <laughs> some of my moments in there as well just a heads up um so mine was dates for number four. Oh, it's a cracking episode that yeah so that's where at the start they've made loads of money on these electric razors loads of bunts brothers loads of bunts uncle albert's trying to sneak in that it's his birthday coming up so he's showing him pictures oh this was my birthday and um then they go to the pub and oh, no, no, please, to... please, please, sorry, Jim. You've got to talk about the US Pittsburgh <laughs> and the story of him crashing it. <laughs> yes. I mean, outrageously, it's not made my top five moments. But honestly, this story of him crashing it, and they're like, in the middle of the day. <laughs> like, how could you not see it? Forty two thousand tons of steel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't close enough. <laughs> you oh. must have been reasonably close, Hunk. You hit it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, um, oh. was your shit badly damaged? Couldn't tell Rodney. Sunk. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, when he's like, um, uh, he was, he, he got a court summoned, and then, and obviously they're like, oh, what happened to that? And he goes, oh, the Japanese invaded. And some people think I'm unlucky. Yeah, he's... 
Yeah, as luck would have it, the Japanese invaded and I never heard another word about it. <laughs> and some people think I'm unlucky. <laughs> oh my God. I had to get that in because obviously somehow, some way, it's not, yeah, made my, uh, it's not made my uh, moment, but uh, you'll understand why it didn't. You'll understand why it didn't. In at number three for me, is uh he ain't heavy he's my uncle and uh yeah uncle albert he's uh at an over 60s club on the estate and he's uh fighting fit he's he's, he's looking great he's uh been really really active and so he's uh and he's also trying to pull a lady called dora lane and uh on uh on one night he arrives at the flat and he's all bruised and shaken looks like uh he's been uh beaten up and he tells rodney and dale that he's been mugged and every time it keeps changing from four to five to six people so he'll be like oh there were four of them and then dale's like four of them and then the next minute to raquel is like oh there were five of them huh five of them and then eventually he got down to six and uh and basically uh dale and rodney are basically like oh we, we we've got to try and be uh tough on him we've got to try and uh get uncle albert back on back on his feet again and we've got to try and um do do um make sure that he's uh feeling well again and then uh basically dell's just giving him a hard time going oh you're useless we have to carry you around all the time you could pour your own brandy what's the matter with you and then uh rodney's like yeah you're a bit harsh on him and then uh, Albert leaves a, a message going, oh, I'm, I'm going to get out of your hair. I'm useless. And I think this is when he was um, talking about um, where he used to live. Oh, how can, how can I forget it? Tobacco Road. Tobacco Road. That's the one. Thank you. So he's obviously he was initially at the beginning, he was talking about Tobacco Road and where he used to live. And then obviously um, Dell and Rodney are going out to look for him. And obviously you could hear We're so sorry Uncle Albert Which was a a song written by Paul and Linda McCartney Much uh, I'm I'm sure to uh, to the chagrin of uh, producer Paul Yeah I mean I knew this because um, a little while ago I upset Jim and I ended up looking for a um uh, looking for this song online, and then I I cut out the lyrics Uncle Albert and put Uncle Jimmy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and sent it to him. So yeah, yeah. So this was uh, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, yeah, written by Paul McCartney, and uh, I think it was um, was it um, written for the show? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But obviously, I think, can't see what, uh, what else it would have been written for, to be honest. No, actually, it wasn't because it was uh, released in 1971. So fortuitously, the song just kind of fitted perfectly with uh, the show and the, it fitted with uh, Uncle Albert. So it was one of those things where it's, yeah, it was one of those. Obviously, there's an expression for this, but obviously it just kind of worked wonderfully for the show and it, it added to the show obviously they find him in uh, tobacco road and he's talking about how he grew up here and how all the sort of ships around the world would come here and kind of maybe got his idea of joining the um the navy and, and things of that nature 
And you would think this would be a, a nice place to end the episode. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. So you go home and knock, knock comes and he's returning the watch that Uncle Albert said was, uh, was stolen from him. And then obviously that is where they find out that uh, he got into a fight with Knock Knock and uh, Knock Knock basically beat his ass, which is why he was uh, stuck in bed and, 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 and what have you. And then obviously Uncle Albert's like, oh, oh, don't worry about it, boys. I used to do a bit of boxing for the for the uh, the Navy or, or whatever. And obviously Dale's like, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. He's winding me up. I'm going to get him. And yeah, that's how that uh, episode ends. What's your uh, number three, boys? My one states, <clears throat> and I don't think Jim got to mention, but this is where they, um, this is the meeting, uh, the initial meeting of yes. Dell and Raquel in the techno match matrimonial, matrimonial, what is it, Jim? Techno match and matrimonial service. Yeah. And um, aka Derek Duval. <laughs> so basically, this 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 company insists on honesty, and they say uh, to Dell, he's like, "Oh yeah, we've got to be straight up front with each other." And he's like, "Okay, just remind me, is there an E at the end of your name?" No, it's Duval, Derek Duval. Um, so basically, uh, in the meantime, so so the whole reason this happened was because Trigger got a date, right? And then, yes. uh, and then Neris gets a. Sorry, Rodney gets a date with this bar woman called Neris, who, nervous who is Neris. Yeah, who is like nervous, right? And everyone nicknames her Nervous Neris. And Jevon, Mickey Pierce, is it just it's just just Jevon and Mickey Pierce, I think, right? And they convince Rodney that that she's only going out of him because he's macho and and all this and the other. Even though he's a rake, you know, he's a skinny guy. Um, he's oh yeah, because he, he even says it's because I'm wiry, you see. Um, <laughs> and so basically, Dell takes Raquel, who meets Raquel in Waterloo Station. Rodney takes Neris out, and Neris doesn't want to do anything. And this is like a guy's dilemma, right? It's like, all right, what do you want to do? I don't mind anything. And he's like, all right, well, let's. Should you fancy an hamburger? Now I've just had me dinner. All right, do you fancy the pic? You fancy going, taking in a movie? Now nah, I don't fancy the pictures. And he's like, well, where do you want to go then? I don't mind anywhere. And do you know what she's going to say to her friend the next day? He was terrible. He didn't take me out nowhere. He didn't take me out to nowhere to eat. He didn't take me to the cinema. He is awful. Yeah, I mean, th this might be slightly justified in this situation because it doesn't go as planned. So on the way, Rodney's acting all... Well, first of all, before they even leave, Rodney has a cigarette in his mouth and he flicks it out the window, but the window's shut. And... And he's like, get out before it catches fire. Don't forget he's dressed up like he's all tough, like in his leather rocker gear. And So there's a really cool scene where Del's, Del's all dressed up like a thing and he's, he's ready to go out. Uncle Albert's got nothing to do, so he's going to go down the laundrette. And Ro Rodney's like coming in, acting all the big and putting his sunglasses on. And then Del, he doesn't see that Del's just behind the bar and he just goes, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're still here then? He's like, yeah, I thought you were going out. He's like, well, you better hurry up and get changed, don't you? And he said, like, I'm wearing these. <laughs> and he said, um, Are you getting dressed? I can take these clothes to the laundrette. Yeah. And he said, It's the fashion. It's called the James Dean look. He's like, uh... Yes, but when they said the James Dean look, they meant before the crash. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so Del, uh, so Rodney's date isn't going too well. 
but Dell's is. He meets Raquel after a little shenanigans with it, with this um, lady of the night that's uh, up in the day, but in the train station. Um, and then, um, but Dell hits it off with Raquel. He's lying about he's, he's lying about being a millionaire and all this now. He's hitting it off, and it goes really well. Um, Rodney <laughs> um, is comes across these um, hooligans basically, and he swears at them. But he doesn't swear swear at them on the Sky version. He only swears at them on the Netflix version because they cut out that that little bit. Um, anyway, they start chasing him, and he's like driving flat out in this little three wheel van, goes straight past Trigger, <laughs> um, and then at the end of it, he manages to kind of lose these guys, and he looks over at Neris, and she's crying her eyes out. All the mascaras run, and he's looking at, and he goes, "What's wrong, Neris?" Anyway, so um, at the end of this episode, they're all in the pub. This policeman and this policewoman come in. There's like military policewoman come in. And they say, Albert Trotter, you're under arrest for uh, the damage you caused to USS Pittsburgh. We've just discovered the the paperwork in Admiral, so in the Admiral headquarters, Singapore or something like that. And then it like, and then he says, you're charged to, by all your friends and family to have a very happy birthday. It turns out this is a strippogram. And the stripper is Raquel, and Dell's horrified and embarrassed. And anyway, it's cut a long story short. At the end of the episode, um, Dell Dell gets a hump and he doesn't want to see her, but he kind of wants to see her. He's on his way round due to some unfortunate circumstances. Dell ends up getting arrested and can't go and meet Raquel. And Ra- Raquel's off on this um, tour of the Middle East, and they part ways, which is like kind of to be continued. Uh, so my number three is to Hullenbach. Great episode. That is where um, Boise and um, is my, I can't remember his, my brain's gone. Boise and his mate, what's his mate called? Abdul. Yeah. So Boise and Abdul, they want to buy these diamonds from um, Amsterdam. They want to find someone to go over there with the money. And, oh, who can we get? So they get Dell to go over there with the money. Dell gets in the back of Denzel's lorry to discuss the meeting with Boise and take the money and whatnot to take over to Amsterdam. And um, the police officer Slater comes back. Yeah, so they're in the back of the lorry, but then Slater, the police officer, comes round. Dell hides in the lorry. Denzel comes. Long story short, they end up in Hull. And um, Dell's like, oh, all right, I just want to go home now. And he looks to his left, sees some boats. He's like, all right, that's how we're going to Amsterdam. So they hire a boat, go all the way to Amsterdam, well, get lost along the way, end up asking some bloke that's working on the gas rigs to um, directions to Amsterdam. They get there, and when they get there, they find out, well, Dell finds out the voices give him dodgy money to pay for these diamonds with. Luckily, no one finds out. So um, they end up going back, but they have to follow a boat back to hole so get lost again they're late coming back then um as they go to the exchange with boise for the diamonds and the money the police officer slater barges in and basically nicks them all but instead of nicking them he decides to take the diamonds um but he's on the fiddle with this other bloke from amsterdam and then at the end of the episode rodney's picked up the money that boise's given instead of Keeping the money, Dell decides to chuck it all out the window, thinking it's dodgy money. But earlier on in the episode, you find out it's not dodgy money. I mean, I I watched this episode without a laugh track. Yes, it hasn't got a laugh track, track, has it? Yeah, I thought that was. Is that just me? No, this, no, yeah, it doesn't have one. There's two episodes that don't, right? I think 
Um, this one and Miami twice. The um, O to B in England, I think, doesn't have a laugh track. I'm pretty sure. Does Jolly Boys Out have one? Yes. Does it? I think so. Right, this is where it gets interesting now. So, uh, number two. So, who wants to go first here? At two, I'll go first. So, at two is, yeah, it's it's my second favourite episode of all time, which is like, there's a lot of episodes around Falls and Horses. I've seen them all many, many times. This is my second favourite episode. It's Time on Our Hands. It's the one where they hit the big time. It's an absolutely incredible episode. It's well-rounded. So, it starts off, and this was broadcast on... What day was this broadcast on? Christmas Day. Because, no, no, tell a lie, because, because um, 1996, they showed all three yeah, so, sporadically between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, exactly. Year. So this was like, basically, this was in a very short period of time from Modern Men. That's when it's set, right? And that's when it was broadcast too. So Rodney and Cassandra are still reeling from um, their loss of a baby, right? And Rodney's, he's, he's basically going out and getting drunk. Um, as we as we find out earlier in the series that Rodney tends to have a drinking problem when he when he gets into trouble. So there's some really nice moments in this. Firstly, um, um, oh, also Raquel's parents are coming around. Her father's an antiques dealer. Her mother's, I don't know what she is. And um, her her parents are coming around later for, for dinner. And Del and Rodney, um, Del's trying to get it out of Rodney that um, what's what's wrong with him. And um, Dell ends up trapping him in a lift and ends up having a really nice, really well shot and acted heart to heart with him. And ends up making him say the words that he lost his baby and, you know, to let out some of this emotion is to stop bottling it up and, and hiding it away. And we've spoken many times about mental health and I think this is really important. So the parents come around and, and Dell's got this massive table that he hired from the town hall. <laughs> um, and it's like, this is like properly like almost like medieval kind of posh like kings and queens kind of table albert's made the gravy uh and the coffee he's made the coffee early and then um they're all having dinner around the table and Dells discovers that albert's made the gravy in the coffee pot and the coffee pot in the gravy and everyone's pouring uh coffee all over their dinner anyway um so to be fair though to uncle albert they were both in red sort of coverings yes but one had Maxwell House coffee on the label, and the other had Oxo gravy. Sorry, gravy. sorry, Del, I got mixed up. I'll mix you up in a minute, you old git. Oh, this is the and then um, the, uh, when Uncle Albert and Del Boy sit at the table, um, Uncle Albert's like, no, nah, I don't want any gravy. And then uh, Del comes up to him and goes, oh, yes, you love your gravy. And he pours it all over his all over his plate and then just goes get in his ear they stored raquel's dad's car in their garage and when they go down there just previously in the episode Dell had like gone in this little box and gone if i have a if i could say like this was life's lucky dip i'd say look this is the winning thing and we would all be rich from this and he goes but it's not is it and he chucks it away and it was this little silver fob watch so raquel's dad sees it and he's like oh my god i think this is like the real deal kind of watch thing here rodney has a uh, receipt they basically um, sell this watch that gets accepted by all the leading experts. Um, and they make nigh on six and a half million quid, in the words of Rodney, in a later episode. This is where, like, you're kind of... It has a really nice moment where they walk into uh, Boyce's car showroom. Uh, and he's really arrogant, as he always is. And he says, um, 
Uh, they're looking at a Rolls Royce in the showroom and he says, oh, bring your family around, have your picture taken next to it. And Rodney goes and buys it for Dell whilst he's just having a little sit down and look at it. And it's a really nice moment where Dell and Rodney just, he says like, um, you bought this roller for me? And he goes, yeah, just to say thanks. And they have a really nice hug and it's a really touching moment. Um, and then they have a really nice sequence where they all go to the pub. Denzel's the first one to, everyone like applauds him. Denzel's the first one to get up and applaud them. But Dell finds it's not all what it's cracked up to be, and he's really struggling with the 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 fight is done. He's you know he's he's kind of won his money, but then at the end he's like, oh now we've got money to invest, and and it's all good. But uh, yeah, so this is kind of like the they won it episode, but it's really really nice. It's a really really good, really brilliant episode. I think anyone that watches Only Fools and Horses shouldn't watch this episode first. They should start at the beginning. Uh, and work their way up but um but this is definitely one to watch absolutely so uh, my number two was uh strangers on the shore controversial i mean this was the episode that kind of really made me fall in love with only fools and horses it, it, it's the episode that kind of won me and it made me think right i need to go back and watch this i need to actually watch this program because it's absolutely brilliant and obviously there um there's a uh, uncle albert's navy memorial ceremony in uh, his honor but obviously they 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 don't know that um uncle albert has uh uncle albert has passed so uh they're basically uh saying oh we're going to go and we're going to represent him and so they're going uh, once they're at the village they learn that basically uncle ha- albert was uh, hounded out of uh, the country by the resistance due to his uh, promiscuity. And he notices that everybody there basically looks like him. They kind of got the sort of uh, the bald head and the the beard and the shaped head and everything. And uh, Dell and Rodden, yeah, they noticed that um, everyone, yeah, they've all got mariners' beards. I like the way that the French resistance shopped him in (laughs) because he kept sleeping with all the women in the village. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so obviously Denzel's got a new van and obviously he's thinking, oh my God, I've got this new van, but I haven't got any work. You know, what what am I going to do? And so they're all, you know, arranging to smuggle duty-free alcohol. And I think, yeah, they've got to keep it secret from uh, Rodney. And uh, yeah, so they're basically smuggling duty-free alcohol into the empty van. And when they come back, they discover that there was a, a an illegal immigrant, quote unquote, as a stowed away in the van. And so obviously he's terrified. He doesn't even know what the hell's going on. They name him uh, Gary. So they, you know, taking him to the house. And obviously they're like, oh, no, this is uh, my friend from uh, computer school. And obviously Cassandra's like, that's where we met. And obviously he doesn't speak a word of English. So he's just going, Gary, Gary. And Boise has to wants to stay at the house because um, one of the boilers that they were sort of looking to sell completely blows the house up, so he's got to stay in um, the house. And Dell's making this uh, curry for Gary, but it's like way, way too hot, and uh, so he decides to give it to Boise. And then Boise's like, "Oh, don't worry, Gary. And the night I'll make you a sandwich." And he's like, you know, waving a knife around, going. What do you want with your, you know, cheese and piccalilli? 
Oh, you cold? Yes, go on, get back in the bed. <laughs> go back in bed, go back in bed. And uh, yeah, somehow Gary gets away and he escaped. And obviously they're thinking, oh, we've, we've done the best we could for Gary. You know, good luck to him. And so, you know, this is all about Boise's important business deal, which can help him become a multi-millionaire. And it turns out that Gary is this uh, important son of a of a billionaire. Oh, and obviously he's doing a sort of a police. They're doing like a, a press conference, and he's obviously describing his experience. Going, oh, I've had a terrible. He's had a terrible experience with these people. He detected the odd English, and the food was terrible. And there was a man who would guard me at night, and he was waving a knife around, and. Well, yeah, once they go to uh, France, because obviously Dell is, um, this is, I think, when they have to try and um, pay off the uh, the income tax, or they're paying uh, their £50,000 to um, inland revenue. And so Dell Boy gets like a side job driving for uh, Boise. But obviously, this is the next one where they're going to um, Paris for Boise's big deal. And obviously, they spot Gary going, hey, look, it's Gary, hey. And obviously, he's like, Ah, look at these guys, look at these guys. And I think they get arrested by uh, Interpol. And I like how Rodney's like, oh, is he going to pay Dell overtime? He's like, of course I'm not going to pay him overtime. But yeah, this was my number two only because um, if, because it was the, the the reason why I got into Only Fools and Horses and uh, I'm not going to betray the sentimental git inside of me and I'm not going to, Betray it no matter what. That's so fair, dude. My number two. Yours? My number two is the same as Peter's. That's time on their hands. Oh, is this number one now? Well, number one, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, since as you both has your number two as time on our hands, that was my number one. I can see why it's the number one. It was a close call, to be fair. But what I'm going to say is about this episode, it should have been the finale. They should yeah. not have come back and done those episodes. Yeah, which is why I mentioned it was controversial that you chose tra- Strangers on the Shore. Should have left it as... Uh, well, obviously, yeah, it, it's, it is a contradiction in, in, in my case because obviously, yeah, I, I loved Strangers on the Shore. I loved uh, If They Could See Us Now and uh, Sleepless in Peckham, which were the uh, the three sort of ones at the end. I, I loved it. It was great. That was the name of the finale. Yeah, and, I, I uh, always no, forget I, that episode. You should earn it. It's a great episode. And uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, the reason, yeah, I, I love this um, episode so much. Just everything about it was, was so good. From uh, Albert sinking the gravy boat. So that's another. Not only have you sunk every vessel you've <laughs> ever sailed on, you've also knackered a gravy boat. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just a, a super episode. And obviously it was an 18th century Harrison Marine watch and uh yeah obviously it was good job that Rodney writes all the receipts down and made a note of it so obviously that was yeah proof of uh ownership that was so important yeah like the sort of the closing scenes and the closing moments obviously with uh the classic song Our House I even like the trumpet song um just start, when they start winning the money and pulling up and stuff like that the little music oh, interlude. Was that Living La Vida Loca? No, that's that's um, if they could see us now. Yeah, oh, that's another episode. Yeah, oh, that's a that's a great song. That is, you know, 
I was listening, watching that episode and they had that song in the background. I was thinking, oh man, that's that's a hella catchy song, Living La Vida Loca. But no, it's time in our hands. And you have like, um, oh, obviously it's bittersweet because it's uh, Buster Merrifield's last episode. And uh, he's only mentioned in passing in uh, If They Could See Us Now. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it was it was his uh, last episode. And, you know, when they're walking into the sunset and that was the perfect finale. That was the perfect way to say, you know what? We've had a great run. 50 years. You know what the British public's like, though? We, you know, we as a public, we call for it back and then we slate it because it's rubbish. You know, it's we just kind of do that. I know. But no, to like, look, the, the, the ones that did come back, they were great. They were superb whatnot it was it was it was awesome but this was the perfect place to say goodbye agreed agreed yeah spot to kind of say you know what look this is this is it and and they were walking into the sunset how if that's not a finale i don't know what is you've got you got them walking into the sunset and then it always makes me fancy a chinese that episode as well <laughs> have like Albert just appears in the dark out of nowhere when they're in the house <laughs> and he goes oh yeah all the ghosts in the house and then Albert just like walked out you know what that made me jump as well I'm not even going to lie <laughs> but Albert... <laughs> it made me jump I'm like what where the hell did he come from <laughs> never did get the end of this haunting night yeah but <laughs> honestly yeah this was this was just a, a superb episode and one that I loved with uh, every every fibre of my being so uh Love to know what your number ones are. Well, I'm pretty sure mine and Jim's are different. So, and I don't know what Jim's has chosen, but I chose my episode, The Jolly Boys Outing, for many reasons. But one of them is because I think this is one of the most well-rounded episodes. It's got, it's got like, it's funny from start to finish. Can I just say that it's not different? Oh, is it the same? It's exactly the same. Okay. So, I'll let, I'll, I'll, we'll do half and half then on this episode, right? So, it starts off. No, no, um, so I'll let, you take, I'll let you take the reins on this one. So, um, starts off and... Um, starts off in the market with Dell and he's selling the... Um, oh, yeah, he's selling the radio, the ra- car radios with um, Kylie Minogue LP. But, and he, they basically go around to dinner to um, Rodney and Cassandra's house. So, this is set just after their wedding, I think, right? It's the year anniversary. That's, that's why they're having the bill. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a year anniversary of their wedding, and Cassandra's got some of her bank friend, a bank boss, and his wife there, and it's all kind of a bit of a well-to-do evening. And that no one really kind of wants Dell there because he can make a little bit of a prattle of himself. Um, after making, so one thing I really like is how every man is scared of their other half, right? So um, after after an evening that went, you know, it's kind of hit and miss. Uh, so also Ro- Rodney hates this guy. He's a yuppie. He's like. He, he he thinks he's just up himself, and he really doesn't like him. And he's always yeah, he's he's, un, he's insufferable. This guy. They're talking about the um. Dell's gonna go on this because Dell's like free and single, right? And Dell's like, oh, talk about the Jolly Boys outing that's coming up on the on the Monday, right? It's Bank Holiday Monday, is it? And then Alan said, oh yeah, oh yeah, because he's like, oh, Rodney's gonna go, and then Cassandra gets the hump about it, and he because he hasn't like kind of like plucked up the courage to tell her, and then 
And then uh, Dell's like, well, it doesn't matter because your Alan's going to be there with him to to keep him company. And then Alan hasn't told his wife either. And she gets young about it. But anyway, they all managed to go on this um, on this uh, Beano, as Dell's describes it, to Margate. And it's not without its um, shenanigans. So on their first stop, the, um, the driver of the bus is seemingly drunk. Um, when they get to the halfway house, and Denzel has to drive the bus home, but just before, the, just as about to get on it, Rod, Rodney kicks a football to Dell, and it smacks a copper straight in the face, and he gets arrested. Then they get to Margate, and they they um they have a really really good time. They're about to get on the bus, and Rodney's checking in with uh, headquarters, as he calls it, um, and Cassandra says, uh, "What's Stephen's wife's name again?" Joanne. So Joanne come round and dropped round the holiday brochures. Something, uh, mummy came round and did this thing. And then the Kent Constabulary called to confirm you live at this address. And then Hodney, Rodney was trying to keep it uh, a secret from her. And he just goes, oh, that was nice of him, wasn't it? And uh, so this is going to be some of my cheeky top five moments. So basically, Rodney's on the phone to um, Cassandra. And he's like, it's, it's unfair to say that everything Dell touches goes wrong. And at the exact moment, the bus that they're all about to be traveled back in blows up. And so they're, they're without a bus. So they all walk to the bus, sta- bus stop um, or the train station. And um, there's no uh, there's no trains because everyone's on strike. But the, And the bus um, is about to come in like, was it half an hour? But it's actually a bank holiday. So there's no buses until the morning. So they have to figure out a way of staying over. They try to go in this one place, but it's full up. And then they go to this hotel called the um, Villa Bella, um, which has very strict rules, very like kind of haunted house. Like Dell wants to go out and he manages to convince Rodney to go out with him by teasing him about um, Cassandra's going to be out. um, So why aren't you kind of thing? And they go to this club that they met uh, the proprietor of earlier. There's a magician on. So it's a singer on uh, when they get there. And then the the magician comes on and his assistant is Raquel. And Dell gets excited and they talk to each other and they manage to like, you know, kind of exchange telephone numbers and addresses and things like that. And when they get back to the the, the Villa Bella, they, they find out that they're locked out. Now, this is, I know this is one of Jimmy's favorite moments. I'm not sure if it made his top five, but it's definitely one of his favorite moments where, uh, in fact, Jim, why don't you do this bit with a, with a window? Yeah, they're at the hotel. They realize that they're um, locked out and um, starts off with, um, Dell wanted to ring the bell and Rod decided because Rodney's absolutely petrified of the woman that owns a hotel. So um, <laughs> he's like, you go and ring the bell. I'm going to hide behind the wall. <laughs> so Dell goes up to the door and then has second thoughts about it himself and goes back behind the wall with Rodney. It's like, oh, look, they look up and they see a light on it. goes, that's our room, isn't it? And Rodney's like, yeah, chucks that up at the <laughs> window and chucking these little tiny stones up at the window. And all of a sudden, Dell picks up this big one and lobs it straight through the window. And they have a massive barney about that. He's like, well, I just told you to chuck something up at the window. He's like, yeah, and you chuck up a bathing slab. Then you hear all this commotion and they're gonna, the owners are going to call the police because someone smashed a window. So they then run off to Raquel's house then. And that's where PJ can now take over. Yeah, so this is also one of my favourite bits where um, Raquel lets them in, but it turns out that she's living with... Um, her the magician that she's an assistant for who's called the great Ramondo, right and he's a bit of a bully boy and Dell doesn't really take kindly to this and then he's not um he's not happy that Raquel's let these two guys in 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 their house so he Dell doesn't like the way that he's speaking to Raquel so Del Dell goes and sorts him out and he's like yeah I'm just gonna go talk to him that's all nice and easy and then he goes in there and just whacks him one you see Ramondo come flying through the other door and into the bedroom and then at one point <laughs> 
um, Dale's like kind of threatening him and he says, right, Ramondo, or sh- can I just call you great? And and he's like kind of threatening him and he's going to chuck him out. And he says, right, your, your lease has expired, pal. You've got to get out. And he chucks his suitcase on the table, but it slips off the table and out of the window. <laughs> and they live in like a like a couple of stories up flat. And then um, it turns out that Ramondo is actually gay. He's not sleeping in the same bed as Raquel. They're sleeping in separate rooms. It's purely a financial arrangement. So, and then Del Boy's tone immediately changes. And he's like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I do believe I just chucked your suitcase out of the window. Yeah. um, Anyway, so they managed to sort that out. They sleep on the sofa. And next day, the bus company sends another bus and they, they head home. And as I was saying before, Rodney doesn't like Stephen, right? Even the reason why he goes out, he said, if Stephen's been around my flat, I'll kill him. And when he gets home, and I'm not being funny, but I probably would react in a very similar way to this situation. Stephen, uh, sorry, they get, get, they get in and Cassandra says, oh, and she gets a bit like kind of bit cagey. Oh, I wasn't expecting you back. And he's like, can we talk? And he goes, I don't think now's a really good time, Rodney. And then in walks Stephen, who's adjusting his shirt and his like trousers, right? And then Rodney like kind of turns on him. He's like, what are you doing in my flat? Uh, what are you doing here? And then, meanwhile, Dale had already told him to be the master of his own flat and, you know, kind of man up sort of thing. Two of the catchphrases that Stephen always says is, try and get your head around this, yeah? And what, what's the other one? Let me run this past you, right? And then, and then so, so Rodney says, he goes, there's something I've been really wanting to tell you for a long time, Stephen, but I've just not really known how. And he says, uh, let me run this past you. Try and get your head around this. And he whacks him on the nose and he completely floors him. And the next scene is um, Dell on the phone to Raquel talking about um, basically trying to say, like, oh, let's meet up again. And, you know, this is kind of start of their, their new relationship. And then um, Rodney walks in with all his bags who had been kicked out. And I think, that, how does that episode end, Jim? Yeah, it ends with Rodney walking back in because... He's on the phone to Dell's on the phone to Raquel, and he's like, "It's all right." It's like Rod, nah, Rodney will sweeten her up, you know. He's a bit of a charmer on the quiet, and as he says that, Rodney walks in with all his bags, <laughs> booted out. Um, yeah, so that, that's my favourite episode, and honestly, that is—I could watch that over and over again. Um, I've watched it a, a lot. Cool. So uh, honourable mentions. So I'll kind of go. So I think we kind of spoke about it before. So strained relations. So this was the uh, the first episode without uh, Grandad and Leonard Pierce. I thought this was done ever, ever so well. I think it's always difficult for cast to kind of come back. And once you've lost someone so important and so significant to you and and, and your show, I thought it was um, acted brilliantly. I think the only other thing that I can kind of compare it to personally is um, Glee. So this was when um, Finn, Finn Hudson or Corey Monteith, when he died and they did a tribute episode for for him. And yeah, this was done brilliantly well. The emotions were, it felt real because you're genuinely saying goodbye to somebody so integral and so key to what you were, what you were trying to do. Obviously you had... Um, the jokes here and there. I think you can kind of see in um, David Jason's face and um, even um, Trigger's face as well. Like at the beginning, you could see like visibly they looked upset and they genuinely were like, maybe, maybe it was, it was a bit of like a uh, real as opposed to just um, the acting. And uh, my other honorable mention was the frog's legacy. So this was um, 
I think this is when Rodney kind of learns a little bit about um, his dad, Fred, uh, Freddy the Frog, or Fred Rob Dahl, and uh, obviously learning about the treasure that he uh, buried at the sea. I love how Albert knew all of this, but just didn't. What is his last name? Rob Dahl. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you knew all of this, and obviously this was um, Trig's wedding, and they meet um, their mum's best friend, and obviously she's talking about uh, Freddy the Frog and how I think he died sitting on a detonator, and how um, he left all this uh, treasure behind, and he left it I think for for Joni because he um, he was seeing her uh, at some point, but um, I did like how uh, Rodney was like, yeah, so. Did I look like him? And obviously Albert's trying to like dismiss going, look, it's rumours, son, it's rumours. But did I look like him? And obviously he's like, yeah, yeah, just a bit, just a bit. And uh, yeah, those those two were my uh, honourable mentions. Yeah, so I've got, I think we've talked about both this episode. So I've got, for my honourable mention, he and Heavy, he's my uncle. Um, and Mother Nature's son. They're my two. Yep, I've got He Ain't Heavy as well. Very, very good episode. And my other one is, is an episode we haven't mentioned yet. It was called Stage Fright. I think this is an incredibly underrated episode where basically Dell's contracted to to supply the, the cabaret act of this uh, venue. And, um, and the person who's supplying it for is not a very nice man. And he's it's got to be good, basically. And... And he gets Raquel to do it, gets her gets her a singing partner. Um and he can't pronounce his R's. And Dell's picked the songs to um to for him to sing. And then he comes and have a row of him later and he just says, like, how can I change this um name uh, how can I change the lyrics of the song Quying? <laughs> the bloody song's called Quying. <laughs> and one of the things that's really good, when when he first says Quying, like with a W. You see Del's mouth, like, cuts to Del and he mouths, like, quieting. It's just, it's so funny. Um, yeah, really underrated episode, I think that is. Um, but, yeah, that's my honourable mentions. Right, so let's go to our uh, top five moments now. So, uh, number five for me is uh, Rodney calling Del about the job in uh, Modern Men. I think we spoke about it where I talked about the episode. This is just absolutely hilarious. and. Yeah, this was this was so good. My number five was um, from an episode called "Sleep When Sleeping Dogs Lie," I think it's called that, or "Sleeping Dogs Lie." Um, uh, and Rodney and Del Boy are in the vets, and um, they're talking about Uncle Albert. And they said he is a right Jonah. When uh, when he boarded his last ship, they shot an albatross for luck. Because it's obviously like a fable that if you shoot an albatross, it's like <laughs> very bad luck. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my top. That's my five. So my number five is Grandad's funeral, just because of the emotions in it. It's just even when I remember watching it start with, I was like, oh, "It's horrible." Set. It's horrible, but it's do you know what I mean? It's just so real. My number four was from an episode called "From Prussia with Love." I've actually got two moments from this episode. One of them was when Boise discovers the baby is black. And obviously, I think Bell's like, oh, the deal's off, the deal's off. And the boy's like, yeah, who bloody right the deal's off? And then obviously, uh, Marnie's like, oh, it, it, it's just all right. It's a baby. Oh, we can say it's a throwback. And then Boise's like, and I quote, for God's sake, Marlene, I might be able to compete with it in the buying cars. 
I might be able to convince them that you conceived and gave birth in seven days flat. But how the hell am I going to persuade them that my granddad was Louis Armstrong? <laughs> yeah. There's also there's such a good moment in the episode as well where Rodney's getting like attacked by the dog. Oh. And, he, and Del Boy opens the door and goes, Rodney, get your get your uh, leg out of that dog's mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. That is just... Boise, that, that bit was just... It's gold. Absolute gold. Loved that bit so much. Good stuff. So, uh, number four. My number four was um, a bit where... It's, it's, this is in Rodney's wedding. called. Uh, it's an episode called Little Problems. And this is where you first and only time, I think, you see the Driscoll brothers, who are like two notorious gangsters. I guess modelled on the Cray twins, I guess, um, so that sort of thing. Um, two brothers, a bit mean. Um, and he comes up, he comes into the pub and he goes, here's a pound and I want to buy everyone a drink in a pub. And, like, you know, just basically threatening the thing. And he says, and I want change. And then everyone's kind of scared and silent and then, uh, Boise goes, I'll have a double <laughs> cognac, please, Mike. <laughs> so my number four is um, one. another one we've already spoke about was when Damien was born. So another touching moment I've got for my number four. Cool. So that segues nicely into my number three. So when uh, Dell is talking to uh, baby Damien and what he says was, there you are, mum. I know you can see us. There he is. Look, your first grandchild. Oh, you're such a lovely little boy. You really are. You've got a mummy and daddy who think you're the most precious thing in the whole wide world. You've got a lovely family around you. Yes, you have. Look, you've got your uncle Rodney to play with. Great uncle Albert. He'll tell you about all the places in the world he's been to and sunk. And there's me. You're going to have all the things your daddy couldn't afford because I've been a bit of a dreamer, you know? Yeah, I have. You know, I wanted to do things, be someone, but I never had what it took. But you're different. You're going to do all the things I always wanted to do. And you're going to come back and tell me about them. Tell me if they're as good as I thought they would be. You're going to have such fun, you are. And when you get the hump, because you're bound to get the hump sometimes, I'll muck about and make you laugh. Because I've mucked about all my life and I never knew the reason why until now. This is what it's all about. I was born for this moment. Yes. Oh, we're going to have such fun, we are. You mark my words. This time next year, we'll be millionaires. Honestly, this is such a, an endearing That is lovely, yeah. Moment. And then cut to the bit where you cut to the bit in uh, If They Could See Us Now, where he's weeing off the four-meter diving board. <laughs> he's such a lad, isn't he? He's such a lad. But no, honestly, I always like sit in complete silence, just listen to that bit. And it's, yeah, it always it gets me emotional. It's just absolutely fantastic. Love this bit so much. My number three was, so I picked like different ones in this, because like I said, I mentioned some of the really nice bits in the, in the, in the episode rundown. But this is one from a show called The Unlucky When It Is, where Rodney wins a, a painting competition, but has to pretend to be 14 for the week. And then when he's explaining the situation to um, Dell's explaining the situation to Rodney, he says to him, and he go, and he's explaining like, um, oh, when when they asked me what I, um, who I was or something, he goes and he goes, and I said, and I don't know why I did. <laughs> I said I was your dad. <laughs> so um, he has to pretend that Dell's his dad for the for the week. So yeah, that's my that's my third. 
So my number three is a scene in Rodney's wedding. So that's an ep- the episode Little Problems. That's where um, it's after the wedding and everyone's sort of... Le- Rodney and Cassandra about to leave and Del and Rodney just sort of just look at each other and it's sort of like... It's a moment where Del's like, go on, just go. It's like he's done his job like because obviously he's brung him up since he was like four years old and it's sort of like go on you can it's go a lovely moment now. And it's just one of them bits where it's just like yeah i love that bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and you've got the um simply red song in the background yes. as well yeah that's it and this is an episode from uh so this is a clip from the episode t43 i think and this is where um uh, so basically, in the episode, Dell had put the sunbed on like for for hours. So Rodney's bright red in the face; he's like burnt from this sunbed that he was under. And Rodney's been trying to get his own back. They managed to organise for Dell to do a um, a uh, a hang glide. So, so they're, they're trying to organise for Dell to do a, a hang glide, and um, they're, they're organising for for Dell to do a hang glide. And um, and Rodney comes up with a really good plan to. Um, to just to stop this from happening so what he decides is he says get up all, get all the gear on of this of this hang glider um get ready to go and at the last minute i'll just say that someone's tried to call you on our car phone and we have to rush back to london dell's all dressed up and he's ready to go on this hang glider trying to save face and he says um and rodney's not saying anything and he looks back at rodney and rodney's just sat there looking all smug and then um and, it, and then Dell calls back to Rodney. He says, is that our phone I can hear ringing, Rodney? And Rodney just goes, no, we haven't got a car phone. <laughs> and then Dell knows he's in it, like he's in like kind of deep stuck and he has to, has to go for it. That's my number two. Cool. My number two is also from, from Prussia with Love. Obviously, there's a German, German bird and uh, they're trying to sort of talk to her. And obviously she's like, oh, does anyone speak English? And obviously Dale's like, English? It's all similar. We invented the bloody language. And then obviously Uncle Albert walks in. He's like, eh, Dale, I used to speak a bit of uh, the German uh, back, back, back in the war. And then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, 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 go on. Go sit down. And he's like, <clears throat> what is your name? And obviously Dale's like, what is your name? What is your name? He's winding me up, isn't he? Still, just makes me howl with with laughter. He's just Uncle Ab is just the absolute best. And also in this episode, when he's like, "Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to alarm you, boys, but I think she's up the duff." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's just one we've already spoke about again. That's just uh, that was Cassandra's miscarriage. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So I might as well just say that was my number one. Um, that was very. Very, very, very close call with winning the money. But yeah, that was my number one. Oh man, you guys have got like some emotional stuff in there. Mine's just all laughs and giggles, and <laughs> you know, guys have got like some deep moments. Actually, yeah, Dell. I could have had a top fifty. To be fair, it was so hard to pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got one more. Uh, sorry, two, two more honourable mentions. One with the winning the money, and another one. But so the winning the yeah. money—that's my number one. Oh, winning the see, see, yeah, you guys have got like good ones. Mine's just all like all one minute giggle. So, my one was uh, right, they want to find Trigger and uh, Mike want to find out the uh, the name of the baby because Mike obviously can't enter the competition 
So he goes and sends Trigger to see if there's any, put some feelers out, see if there's uh, the names. And uh, Trigger finds out and he's like to um, Mike, oh, if they're going to name it a girl, they're going to name it Sigourney after the actress Sigourney Weaver. And if they name it a boy, they want to name it Rodney after, after Dave. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment. Uh, you know, my honourable mention is Trigger as well when he's talking about his um, back scratching invention. Chopsticks. Yeah, so obviously he's got the one chopstick and he goes, oh, you can scratch. And obviously they're like, oh, you can't reach the bottom one. Oh, so he has two and he's like, I'm going to put a hinge on, put it together. You can put it in your pocket and, you know, you can get it out. You can reach and Obviously, he's like, because Rodney's like, oh, goes, how do you, you know, scratch your back? And Rodney's like, oh, you just get someone to do that for you. And then Trigger's no, you can't like, do that, Dave. Yeah, I've, yeah, you can't do that, Dave. I've, I've already, uh, I've already done that before and almost got into uh, a lot of trouble. My other honourable mention is from an episode that Jimmy mentioned before, and that was um, in To Hullenbach when um, Del, Del's, um, they've sailed out of the harbour. Del's always sworn at some some guy and and then he's feeling very British and very proud and he's like on the front of the boat and he's singing he's going Robin Hood Robin Hood riding through the Glen and he's just got he's got this such pride on him and it's uh, yes absolutely amazing moment right so uh your favorite character and you're allowed to pick three of their best moments in uh in your opinion right my favorite character is by far, actually not by far, not by far at all. It's all very close. Um, Rodney. Rodney is my favorite character, I think. My classic moment is, is in, in an episode called Yesterday Never Comes, I think. Is that right, Jim? What's your bit and I'll tell you. Uh, where the Queen Anne cabinet episode. Yeah, Yesterday Never Comes. Right, so basically Jim's an expert in episodes. He, he'll know. Give him a quote, he'll tell you the episode. Um... So Del Boy previously had smacked this woman's behind and said, fancy an Indian, and it worked. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go out of you kind of thing. So Rodney's he kind of catches eyes with this lady, and then she's like, and he's outside of this little cafe having a little little drink. And she kind of like, she's kind of a bit bent over, and she's collecting her books and stuff and put it back in her bag. And he walks up to her, boulders brass, and smacks her behind. And she turns one, and she whacks it one, right? And then Del comes back, and, and then um, he's like, he goes, what happened to you? Because I don't want to talk about it. And Del's like, if I didn't know, Barry, it looks like someone smacked you right in the eye. He's got this big red mark on his face. Yeah, that's definitely my, that's my number three moment. Number two was um, in an episode, I think it's called Rodney Come Home. Um, Jimmy will correct me if I'm wrong on this one. But basically, Rodney gets kicked out of his house. And he opens the garage, turns the light on. You see the car kind of sticking out of there. He goes into the garage. And then he comes out on his bicycle. <laughs> um, and the... Last one is from. Oh, I've got two honorable mentions as well. So this, um, the last, the top one is um, in an episode called My- "Miami Twice: The American Dream," which is a part one of a two-part special. Uh, and Alan, his old boss and Cassandra's dad, is like telling him about his um, pension money, and he said, um, <laughs> "He goes, oh yeah, I can invest it back if you like, and then you keep it for a later date." And he goes, "Yeah, that's always been my motto: invest in the future now." And then he goes, oh, it's exactly what I thought. So I put you 900 pound. He goes, 900 pound? I'll take that now, Alan. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so that's my number three. My honourable mentions are when um, in an, in um, Happy Returns, I think the episode's called. Uh, Rodney wants a dirty magazine, one of the top shelf on the um, in the newsagents, and he asks Dell to get it for him because he's too embarrassed. And uh, Dell goes up to the counter and says, "Oh, give me one of your dirty magazines as well, will you, love?" And then she goes, "Which ones do you want?" And then he turns to Rodney and he goes, "Because uh, the girl behind the counter is a girl he's dating." Uh, and he goes, and Dell turns to Rodney and goes, "Which one do you want, Rodney?" And and, and uh, Rodney looks at him with like a horror on his face, and then just walks out of the shop. Um, and there's another episode in Yuppie Love where Rodney's too ashamed to to admit that he lives in this um, on this council estate. Um, it's a Nyreary estate, but I don't know what that really means, to be honest. He comes in after like getting, um, he gets a lift home from Cassandra, who drops him off in this really posh area, and he comes home and he's completely soaking wet. It's been um, raining, and uh, Dale susses him out uh, immediately. That's my, um, uh, yeah, that's all, that's all the mine. So I'm the same as PJ, I'm Rodney as well, but I couldn't, it's so hard to pick. Um, my third favorite moment is. An episode of Sleeping Dogs Lie where um, they're looking after Boise and Marlene's dog and they're taking it for a walk at the park and Rodney goes to get him out of the van and he doesn't move. Dell's trying to chirp this woman up who's walking another dog and Rodney comes running up to him and he goes, Dell, quick, I think the dog is dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my number three. My number two is um, it's a, quite a moving scene is where Rodney doesn't get a visa in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. They basically have this argument about why Dell should stay because Rodney doesn't think he should go. Um, so that's my number two. And my number one is, I don't know how this did make my favourite episodes to be honest, it's an episode called No Greater Love. Rodney has to sell somebody's clothes for Dell, and he meets this um, woman called Irene and um Irene's trying to ask him out, basically. Rodney goes, right, I'll take you out. It's like, oh, can you tell me your name? Because it'll be, um, I can't be keep calling you Thingy all night. And so Rodney goes, my name's Rodney. And she goes, Irene. Rodney goes, no, Rodney. <laughs> <laughs> that bit gets me every time. So they're my three favourite bits. Cool. My, my favourite was uh, Uncle Albert. Uh, he's just, and again, a, a huge reason why I love Holy Fools and Horses. And uh, yeah, some of my favorite moments. So uh, this was in Rodney Come Home and Del Boy's trying to get Albert to um, feign outrage because Rodney's basically, he's not being with his uh, missus and uh, Rodney's taking a, taking a, another girl out. And so he's out to Albert, yeah, you got to pretend you got to be outraged. So Rodney walks in, Albert's like, Ooh! and he's like, <laughs> not yet. now. And then obviously he goes, oh, so where are you going, Rodney? I'm going out. And he's like, no. And then he goes, oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to cinema. I'm going to the pictures with someone. And he's like, I'm going to smack you in a minute. And this bit, right, David Jason, I don't know how he kept professional. It looked like he wanted to laugh so badly in the scene. And that's what made it for me just his face and the way he was just like doing everything in his in his power not to just break character and burst out laughing and then obviously he goes yeah i'm 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 i'm, I'm taking a girl i think was it tina tanya tanya that's it and then and then obviously he's quiet and then dell's looking at him and he's like 
Because <laughs> <laughs> he's sipping his little brandy. Yeah. Oh my god, that's just brilliant. Number two is uh, in the Frog's Legacy, where Dell is selling these um, sort of like the the the, the um, it's like, it's like got an infrared light and it's like for the back. It's supposed to be healing, isn't it? For yeah. Albert, Albert's like walking into uh, and he's out of his back. And obviously he's like, oh, I haven't been able to walk up straight in years. And then obviously the whole plan is that when Dell does it, it you know, Albert's going to be, you know, right as rain again. And then... I see you're a naval man, sir, and he stands up straight. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> this just whole thing. And he's like, he stands up and he goes, you're going to ruin the whole thing, you ruin the whole thing. And then obviously people are like, oh my God, you, I bet you guys know each other. And then all of a sudden, yeah, he starts dancing. And Dell's just like turning, going, I don't believe it. His whole like merry dance and everything, the little dance he does, it just is great. And then obviously, like, oh, I bet you two know each other. This is a con. And then uh, Dell's like, oh, we've never met before, have we? And he's like, no, Dell, we haven't. <laughs> just a bit when he's like, no, Dell, we haven't. Oh my God. It just ruin, ruins the whole thing. And then obviously, uh, Number one is, uh, what is your name? It still makes me howl with laughter to this day. And uh, probably, yeah, the, the one honourable mention has to be um, US Pittsburgh and that whole story and uh, the outrage of, uh, of, the other, of the other two. And uh, to kind of end, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the sort of the last couple of um, episodes. So like uh, Sleepless in Peckham, I think I watched that yesterday. And yeah, I, I, I really, really liked it. And as much as I think Time on Our Hands was the perfect finale, I think despite all of that and despite everything, I think John Sullivan did well to kind of um, close the book again. Once it was closed and openly close it again. And obviously Cassandra, they, they try for another baby. They, you know, they're successful and uh little Joni. Little Joni is born. So yeah, that that, that episode I thought was really good and I It's a that... good episode, but in my opinion, it's treading water right till the end scene. The end... The same. It's it's a good episode at the end at the tail end of the episode is where it gets really good. And like you said, I love the way the closure as well is brilliant. The closure very the well final done. scene, the final bit is absolutely amazing. The rest of it I think the main sure, kind of right. thing of this episode was Rodney seeing a picture of Freddy the Frog. And yeah, I like that bit. I didn't like the whole um, writing bit in it. I don't know why. I just thought that was a bit not that great. Uh, it, it, it did it it did smack of a finale. It did it did feel like oh my god, we're we're saying goodbye. We're 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 we're, we're coming to the end, sort of thing, and. For them, it, for them, it it did kind of feel like, look, this is this is the last one, and honestly, we are, we're not we're not going to come back, no no matter what. And I did look. To be fair, I did think that they um, did it well enough, and obviously, yeah, Rodney learns about Freddy the Frog, and he learns, and obviously, he wanted to know what he was like as a person, and obviously, Dell's like, look, he was he was a lying, cheating get and you're nothing like him so that's that's the answer to uh to that question and 
I did like how obviously they told the story that um, Uncle Albert managed to reunite with his uh, love, Elsie Partridge, and they uh, lived together in their uh, final, yeah, in their final kind of days together. And it's love. It's it's, and this is an example of like good karma. So obviously, them they're broke and they don't have any money left. But obviously, when they read the last will and testament of uh, Albert Gladstone Trotter the money that they gave him, he kind of put that away and he invested it and it ended up coming back to them and it ended up saving their whole fortunes and 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 and, and saving everything. And obviously it's probably his way of of saying like thank you for uh for taking me on. And obviously in um the episode uh where he pretends to fall off um in uh mike's pub well what's the name of that episode hole in one hole in one that's the one really liked that episode and obviously he wanted to do it for uh his brother and uh yeah they and and from that point on they never they never looked back and i did uh i did like that and you know it's crazy how when i look at the um characters of uh only fools and horses and you're kind of looking at the people and you're like most of them are not with us man so like roger lloyd pack who plays trigger he passed away a few years ago mike fisher mike the landlord he's not alive um obviously yeah buster merrifield and uh leonard pierce john sullivan passed away in 2010 or 2011 and uh, Sue Holderness, who plays Marlene, is going to be in EastEnders. Really? Yeah. And uh, did you guys watch the uh, the two sort of uh, spin-off or prequel shows? So there was The Green Green Grass and Rock and Chips. Yeah, so Rock and Chips was only four episodes, wasn't it? Three or four. It was meant to be more, though, wasn't it? But if you, I think John's he died before doing the final one that was supposed to be the final one. Yeah, I watched a bit of The Green Green Grass as well. Green Green Green, green Grass was trash. Um, in my opinion, but I enjoyed, I really enjoyed Rock and Chips. Oh, I, I couldn't get into Rock and Chips. It's only four episodes. I just didn't like James Buckley as Dale Boy. Just... It is weird, but I I really like the ending when you see, um, I mean, this is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler because you know what happens anyway. Um, when you see uh, Frederick Rubdall um, and... Joni have a baby, right? And then you kind of see her with Rodney in her arms, and I think that's quite a nice moment. I mean, considering the circumstances in which the last episode was released, I think it worked as a as a last episode. The green green grass. It's interesting because if you'd said, "Oh, who would you like to see a spin off of?" I think it would have been Boise and Marlene. To be honest, I would have said, "Oh, I would I would like to see." what they get up to after only fools and horses but um yeah i mean I suppose they have a kid and stuff like that so i guess that's that's fair enough i've never seen it by the way so I it's it's um it's weird because it's just like another sitcom but they ch- i think they tried to change the ca- they tried to make it funnier than it should be if that makes sense they they overdo the comedy in that i think or try to overdo the comedy doesn't i don't think it works very well Cool. So, uh, any any last words on uh, this wonderful creation? I can't say enough good things about this. To be honest, um, I'm, obviously, I only got this from Jim, so I've only I've, I can only thank Jim for getting me into this this show. 
it's so good, man. I think watch it from start to finish. And if you watch it from series one and finish it off, is how I think you should watch it. You won't regret it. Um, it will only take you about six months. So, <laughs> but anyway, yes, it's great. I don't know what too much to say. I just think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think, like, literally from start to finish, I love the way that the story even progresses all the way through and the way that they can, like, even the closure at the end to everything. It just, it's just done brilliantly. The writing it was, I don't know, I just don't think there's been a better writer since. But I think it's incredible what he done. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think I think I've watched I think I'm I think I'm only fools and horses out like I've kind of watched so many this last sort of week I don't know how I was talking about last week how it's bad practice that you know producer Paul and I don't watch as many episodes as we should for certain TV programs but I think we kind of made up for it with this one because I've watched God knows how many uh, how many episodes and I don't think I even wrote them all down. So and, and and it's one of those where I enjoyed watching it again and I enjoyed seeing it and and and, and laughing all over again and in in many in like some other way or form like I, I feel like I've watched every single episode or at least I've seen enough of it to kind of be like yeah I I know what what's going on and and what's happening and 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 what's sort of what's not happening and yeah, I mean, probably give it, give it, give it a month or two, and then and I'll switch on gold, and only fools and horses will come on, and uh, I will enjoy it all over again. And obviously, for our um, international listeners, it is available on Netflix, and yeah, so I would, I would definitely recommend you go out of your way and watch this, watch only fools and horses. Like it's like what what the guy said like you will not regret it i kid you not this is this is just an absolute institution an absolute masterpiece and uh yeah on that on that on that note i'll uh bring the episode to an end thank you so much for joining us jimmy really appreciated your uh expertise and and wisdom on this uh topic ah oh, thank you very much for having me it was great it's great to do it how did you find it? Yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your uh, podcast from. So uh, give us a, give us a follow on, on the socials. We're available on wherever podcast platform. So uh, give us a listen. Put your notifications on so you can get all the new episodes and things of that nature. You can follow us on the socials on Instagram. It's yesterday's Capers 1. On Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers, YouTube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers, Facebook.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers. You can follow me on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim, and you can follow me on Twitter at Abdullah Molim. Give us a holler, give us a shout, and uh, join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. No money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, will come prices and a straw.